Hello and welcome to the Albies. This is where the Albion Obsessed podcast do their end of season awards. Today we are going to award in excellence across the season to players who have done very, very well. But before we get into this, let us see who we've got on the show today. We welcome Joseph Sales. In the name of fashion. <laughs> How are we? How are we? Okay. How are we going? Oh, wow. Tell me who you are wearing this evening. I, I'm, I, I just fancy the change. Um, and this wow. just feels right for me. It really does. Um, wow. So, yeah, I'm happy to be here and, uh, yeah, let's see who it's gets like the award. It's like stars in their eyes. I don't know what you're on about, Toby. It's, it's fashion. Fashion. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all right. I'm not going to keep doing it. Uh, Dan, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. You're looking absolutely dapper this evening, my friend. How are you doing? I'm very, very well. I'm very, very excited. I have my old-fashioned. I have my bow tie, my lapel. I, I can't wait to get into it. Absolutely gorgeous. Curtis, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Very good, my friend. Very happy to be here. Very happy to uh, celebrate uh, our achievements for the season. Uh, and, uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do this. Very good, very good. Aaron Stevens, we welcome you. How are you, my friend? Yeah, good evening, mate. Very well, thank you. Yourself? I am very warm and I know lots of people in, on this show are also very warm. Uh, can you hear the thunder? Then, if you could hear that, that was thunder in the background. So, apologies if that <laughs> interrupts things this evening. Kudos to you, Aaron, and to Dan, who are wearing jackets. You are very brave men, and you are suffering for your art this evening. Toby, welcome back to the pod. How are you, my friend? Yes, very well, thank you. I mean, some people say that we're all warm. I'd say we all just look hot. Do you know what I mean? Sprinkle a little bit of that in there. <laughs> I love it. Love no, it. But contrasting Dan, you know, he's got an old fashioned. I've got a new fashioned. You know, he's still very <laughs> Zoomer today, and, and got the short tie to match to match. You know, my small things collection. I've got the small tie, so ready to get started. By the way, out of context, Toby, that sounds mad, completely mad. <laughs> <laughs> We were having such a classy, <laughs> classy intro. <laughs> I did. Oh, Thank you, Curtis. Thank you. Okay, professionalism. Uh, Dagan, welcome to the pod. Welcome back to the pod, my friend. How are things stateside? Just fine. Warm here, but we do have AC. Um, I am all dressed up with no place to go. There is a tie beneath the beard. I'm here and I'm ready. And I am very jealous of your AC. I wish I had some. Uh, Cam, welcome back to the pod. How are you keeping, my friend? I'm good, thank you. Like probably everyone else, very warm currently. Um, yeah, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. And with last, but not by no means least, we welcome back Chloe. Chloe, welcome back. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Looking forward to this evening. Um, not too hot because I'm wearing a dress, but yeah. Tom, is this our first ever full house? This is. This is our very first ever full house. Uh, So let's tell the viewers and the listeners how this is going to work. We have some categories. We have signing of the season. We have most improved player. We have unsung hero. We have villain of the season. Performance of the season. Young player of the season goal of the season and finally player of the season and they are in these lovely wonderful 
golden envelopes. What we will do is we will go category by category. I will tell everyone the nominees. The team have already voted and they have sent their votes to me anonymously, so they're not going to reveal who they voted for. But what we'll do is we'll have an open forum to discuss each person in that category and how we think they've gotten on this season. So, without further ado, we are going to start with the signing of the season category. Now, this was quite a category to put together because Brighton and Hove Albion didn't make too many signings this season. Not many who featured for the first team at any rate. So, let's break down the nominees for the signing of the season category. We have Purvis Estupinia, Facundo Buenanote, Levi Colwell, and Julio Enciso. So let's start off by talking about Purvis. In my opinion, Purvis has been a fantastic signing, brought in to replace Mark Kukureta, who went to Chelsea. And in my opinion, he has been a significant upgrade in all departments and has had a sensational season. I now open up the floor for the Albion Obsessed team to tell you their views. I mean, what more can you say than the guy that's nominated in every Premier League team in the season across the internet, across the Premier League, across Sky Sports. What a player, perfect replacement and some on Kukurea. If Chelsea were in for a left-back this season, we'd be getting double what, what they paid for Mark. Outstanding. I want to draw everyone's attention back to when we first signed him and the first interview that he made um, where he said that he was going to fight for every ball like it was the last time he would fight for a ball, um, like it was the last time he would play on a football pitch. And, and that is just, you know, that came across in most of his performances. I think there were, maybe you could count on one hand how many poor performances Purvis had. Um, and it sort of became the norm for Purvis just to put in an 8 out of 10. Um, and it was only when the 10 out of 10 came out, people said, oh, yeah, Purvis had a really good game. And I don't think we actually mentioned him overly um, enough, really, across the season, uh, maybe except for at the end. But, yeah, all credit for him for being nominated. Yeah, I mean, he was just so consistently good throughout. Um, I mean, he he had big boots to fill when Cucurella was here. He was regarded as, you know, the best left-back we've had in a long, long time. The, the last kind of proper left back we've had since Bong and a big upgrade on Bong <laughs> sorry to the Bong haters but um, he just slotted straight in he, he played fantastically well every game and as you say Joe you could count on one hand the amount of bad performances he had Purvis sort of typifies how Brighton is known for their quality business sell the player of the season for 62 million bring in a replacement at 18 million who's even better um, that sort of summarizes like, what Brighton has become known for across the league and across the world. Um, so for me, that the strength of the signing is sort of who he had to step in and replace and the quality of which he brought doing that. Yeah, he's just really impressed me. I just think him, him, him as a person, his uh, ability and everything, he's just really, 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 really impressed me because obviously I knew nothing about him and I did say that, you know, oh, we'll sign someone that I've never heard of as we always tend to do. Um, but yeah, he's just been outstanding and, you know, I'm just really happy that he's managed to kick on and yeah more power to him yeah because I mean it's so rare when players come in that they fit right into the system and they immediately get the the idea of how the manager wants to play and he excelled I mean he, he did fairly well under Graham Potter but under De Zerbe, he just immediately picked up exactly what he was supposed to be doing he provided fantastic defensive cover he could provide attacking returns as well I mean he's the the perfect 
the perfect left back in my eyes. I can't, I can't see us upgrading on him. I, yeah, I, I, the thing is, when someone comes in with passion as well, it always lights a, a fire in my heart because too many players nowadays are just not about the football itself or about the club itself, about the money, and, and he's just a true professional in every way. Very good, very good. Um, so let's now move on to Facunde Buonanotte, the second man in the category, uh, a youngster that was brought in in January, uh, had made a few starts, especially towards the end of the season um, when fatigue was setting in, got himself a goal against Nottingham Forest and played very well in that game against City. What did we all make of his contribution in the latter half of the season? He's awesome. I... The thing is, I've I've been a hater of Bonanotte, but I think I just didn't wake up and smell the coffee. Uh, I think that you look at how Nciso started his life at Brighton, very similar, maybe hogging the ball a bit too much, but the quality's there. You can see it. You can see that he's got a quality on his ball. I think there was one shot that he took that I thought, oh, you should cross that, and he took a shot, and it almost dipped in. For me, I think that he's going to be like an Nciso character in the future. It's just all about patience with these young players, especially coming from such a young age from a completely new, uh, different country, different culture. Um, it's so lucky that we've we've had obviously Alexis, um, Purvis, and uh, other people that um, have had to adapt in, in that same way. Um, so it, it's really just a matter of patience, and that's what I want to just sort of put across to everyone that that has written these players off already. That um, or or have felt like they 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 aren't good enough yet is yeah just look at as Toby said Julio and Cesar is a prime example of they can come good it just takes time. Let's talk about yeah. Julio and Cesar then another young player in this category um, started off as you say Joe very sort of keeping the ball at his feet in an interview that Adam Lallana did earlier in the season he said that sometimes in the training sessions they'd be shouting and screaming it in because he was trying to do too much himself but what an important player he has turned out to be he's netted some absolute screamers this year uh, scored his first goal uh, against Bournemouth but then scored an absolute screamer against Chelsea and Manchester City a goal that we will be talking about a little bit later he's had a really positive impact on the team this season yeah I mean he's just been absolutely absolutely fantastic um initially he started you know as toby mentioned earlier he you know potentially a little you know hogging the ball kind of making the wrong decision but in almost no time at all he's seemingly matured um you know he is making the right decision more often than not now in such a short space of time he scored some absolutely fantastic goals i mean he's got an incredible right foot on him um but he can also score with his head as we've seen uh against Arsenal, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he's, he's proven to be very, very good for us. A really smart signing. Very much so. And the last man on the list was Levi Cole. This was a man that I wasn't overly convinced when we signed him, Curtis. Um, a loan signing, developing another team's player at the expense of someone like Jan Paul Van Hecker. Didn't sit right with me, but actually he's turned out to be another astute piece of business from the club. And many fans are hoping we manage to get him back on a permanent. What do you have you made of Levi Colwell's season? Best defender for me. Oh, sorry. Well, best defender from me personally yeah, I think I think you're right I think he's yeah. been been a Rolls Royce um, you notice when he's not there and you, you notice when you've got other players trying to play that role it's not quite the same and I think if we don't assign I think it'd be a big miss in the next season personally 
and I wasn't a fan of this loan move anyway. At first, I just felt it was a bit of a cop out. But um, yeah, now get the deal done, pay what they want, or do a deal with Caicedo and and Chelsea. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I think there's still legs in this like Colwell move. Right then, it's time to reveal who the Albion Obsessed team thought was the signing of the season. And the winner for signing of the season goes to... Purvis Estupinian. I don't think many people would have uh, begrudged Purvis that accolade. An absolutely sensational signing he was, especially when we lost our player of the season. Right then, let's move on to the next category, which the category of most improved player. So this is the player who has improved most this season. Right then, the nominations are Jason Steele, Solly March, Dennis Undav, and once again, Julio Enciso up for his second nomination of the evening. Aaron, I'd like to come to you on this one. Jason Steele. Jason Steele has spent the majority of his time at Brighton and Albion as second and even third choice goalkeeper. Um, but at West Ham, he became first choice keeper and hasn't been dropped in the league since. Um, many have put this down to his passing ability with his feet. What have you made of Jason Steele's rise to number one? Yeah, it's impressive. I think it's a mixture of a couple of things. I mean, it's the mixture of Sanchez's attitude, but it also just proves how good a player still actually is. Um, you know, he's taken a lot of stick in part in the past at Sunderland for being their worst goalkeeper in their history, but yeah, he's now number one at number one goalkeeper at a top six club. You know, that's that's an accolade that doesn't happen to many goalkeepers. You know, from like I said, from getting abuse constantly at Sunderland to, you know, coming up being patient, waiting for his time. And he's his attitude is spot on. It's exactly what it should be as a as a well, in theory, number two. You know, a number two goalkeeper, you have to accept that you're not gonna play every week. But you still train as hard, you still play as hard when you get the opportunities and he's taken the opportunities and I think that's all credit to him all credit to Deserby as well for making that move because that's that in the word of Deserby that takes balls it takes balls to, to make a big call like that and I don't think he's put a foot wrong no not at all Cam really quickly what have you made of Jason Steele's rise from as Aaron has said the quote-unquote worst goalkeeper Sunderland have ever had to the starting goalkeeper for a top six side. It's it's very impressive, and um, as as Aaron touched upon, you have to commend his um, his attitude, like how he has been in that number two role for so long, and then he gets his chance, and he's he's taken it with both hands, and he's been so key to the way we play under the Serbia as well. His distribution. It's, it's just so good and he's so calm under pressure like in the lead up to um, in CISO's goal it was his like pass out and I remember watching it and I was like panicking like thinking oh god they're going to give it away but it was so calm and collected and picked out the pass wonderfully and yeah it's um it's fantastic what he's done this season he's a very very good goalkeeper for us moving on to Solly March Joe we said at the start of this season when he changed his shirt number to from 20 to 7 it was going to be a big year for our boy Solly 
and what a season it has been. His numbers of assists and goals over the last few seasons haven't been fantastic, but this season he really seems to have kicked on under Roberto De Zerbi. An incredibly dramatic change of form for him in front of goal. Um, we always rated how hard he worked and, and we... <laughs> A few people said to me on, on social media, oh, yeah, he might work hard, but he's League One standard. Um, and now he's scoring goals, getting assists um, in a team that have just qualified for Europe and will be a massive, massive part um, of, of our European tour next season. Um, and how much we missed him towards the end of the season as well. This goes to prove to you how important he was for us and how important he has always been for us ever since breaking into that first team. Um, I've always rated Solly March. Um, you, you guys know how much I love him and how happy I am. He's had the season of his life. Um, and he's, he, I think he's probably feeling very lucky that Roberto De Zerbi has come in, put his arm around him and given him that confidence um, to, to be the player that we, we always thought and knew Solly March could be. Very true. Chloe, what do you, have you made of Solly March's season? Um, it seemed to be that Southampton game that he just seemed to kick on the bouncing back from the disappointment of the Charlton game where he missed a penalty. Um, but after that, he seemed to be flying. Yeah, I think it's weird with March. There's been a couple of times um, in the last few seasons where I've sort of been thinking maybe we could improve upon him in our starting um, team. But then he got moved to left wing back and he did an amazing job there. And then recently I was thinking, he's just not getting enough goal involvement, you know, for an attacking player. Um, if we are looking to push him to the top 10 in Europe, then we really need someone getting goals. But De Zerbi obviously has just given him the confidence and that was all he needed to actually just improve so much. Um, not just his goals, his balls in look better. He's just, I can't believe how much he's improved, to be honest. I've been very, very impressed with him. Um, and yeah, I don't think he's the sort of player he can ever write off. He just keeps going up a level. I have one thing to say before we move on, and that is, where is Pete? Where you at, Pete? Where you at? For those of you who do not know, we did an episode with uh, a friend of ours called Pete, and he said he didn't rate Solly March at all, but yet here he is on this list. Next up, we... <laughs> Next up on this list, we have a man whose form at the start of the season did, wasn't fantastic. His first touch wasn't great. Uh, even question marks about his weight and his fitness were being asked. But again, towards the end of the season, this man changed everything. His name is Dennis Undav, and in the last, what, eight games, he had five goals. What a season, Dagan. Uh, what a turnaround it was for the German forward. Yeah, I mean, I think the story for Undav is some great personal struggles coming into a, a new place and a new team and trying to find his footing and, and maybe losing a little bit of confidence along the way. And I think, again, it took a little bit longer than it did with Sally, but under Deserby, I think the, the common thread is building confidence in players and getting the best out of them consistently. And I think it took a little longer for Undab because of what he'd gone through, but I think we started to see the quality that he had in finishing and in, in the build-up play. Right. And in finding space, creating space, making runs through and dragging, um, you know, the first center back out of the way to create an opening on the other side of the pitch. I think we talked about that specifically in one of the goals that was created. Um, he just he found his he found his footing in a major way. It was great to see. 
Um, and you could see the, the relief from him um, and the genuine excitement of the team when, when he did finally break through and get that first goal. And I think it was a chill moment for everybody. It certainly was. Now, Curtis, you were someone who stood by Denison there for a long time. You uh, rightfully said that he hadn't been given the opportunities in the league, um, but then he suddenly seemed to burst onto the team and make a name for himself. How happy are you to see Dennis uh, firing on all, all cylinders now? Immensely happy, immensely happy. I sort of feel like, I told you so, um, but uh, I'm, I'm just really happy that he's been able to clearly get that confidence, which I, I believe that's been a key word for this. You know, all these players are, are heavy in confidence and see how they're doing, you know? Um, so I feel like, you know, this was uh, really imperative for him because it definitely could have been something that at the end of the season he could have, could have moved on. You know, there were reports of well, like Burnley and stuff being interested in him and and stuff like that but I, I think he stays now and I think he kicks on next season for us so. and the final man in the category was Julio Enciso who, who we have already spoken about so we'll keep this last little bit brief um, yes a big change in his uh, physique over the over the year his mentality um, and just, just an all round huge improvement for the young man that we saw for the first time playing pre-season games so we'll keep that short about Enciso as we've already spoken about him previously so without further ado let us reveal who won the coveted Albies most improved? <laughs> I think the thunder behind me is doing that enough to be fair. <laughs> Will Tom disappear again before revealing the answer? <laughs> Stay tuned to find out. Tune in next week. <laughs> yeah. And the winner of the Albies Prize of Most Improved Player of the Season goes to. Where you at, Pete? Solid. March. Yes. A phenomenal season from the Hailsham lad and just been absolutely phenomenal. We hope he returns from his injury um, as quick as it's so, possible. So deserved. So deserved. Yeah. Massive change. And, and what a coveted award the Albies are. I'm sure, yeah, you I mean, know. Everyone wants uh, to be, you know, nominated for an Albie. Um, so congratulations so far to Purvis and Solly for their fantastic awards. Uh, awards may or may not be in the post in uh, uh, terms of condition. I know, I know they're watching this and, and Solly said he was gutted that he couldn't be here to receive the award um, and, and to give a speech. <laughs> so um, this one goes to you, Solly. Yeah, and same with Purvis. He, he lent me this awful tie and he was really sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good fair play to him for lending you there because I think, I think it's one of his best, isn't it? Um, so let's move on to the next category, which is the Albies Unsung Hero category. This is where perhaps we celebrate those who aren't in the limelight all of the time, um, but their um, contributions are much needed and welcomed nevertheless. The nominations for the Albies Unsung Hero Award are Adam Lalana, Danny Welbeck, Joelle Veltman, and a surprise nominee, Andrew Crofts from the coaching setup. So let's talk about Adam Lalana, Dan. Adam Lalana is a player that whenever he features in the starting 11, you can always guarantee that there is some hate on Twitter or social media about how Adam Lalana is old and slow and should not be anywhere near the starting 11, but he has been so important. Did you know, Dan, he was the first British player to score this season in the game against Wolves. I did, I did. I may have seen it on a recent episode of a podcast from an unnamed channel. Albion Obsessed, here we are. Um, no, I mean, 
I don't think he gets the love he deserves. You know, hence the nomination in this category, right? Um, not only is he a fantastic player for us, he provides invaluable experience to all of the players in the dressing room. You know, he's got so much experience, incredible experience, from the highest level of football possible. Um, you know, he's played for England, he's played in the Champions League. He's just an incredible player, an, incred an incredible talent. Um, when he's injury-free, he's a fantastic player on the pitch for us as well. You know, he's scored a couple of goals, he's, he's provided an assist this season. You know, without the without it, that influence on the pitch or behind the behind the scenes, we may not have had such a good season. Um, and I remember listening to the Paul Barber podcast on uh, high performance or something, the the Jake Humphreys thing um, about uh, Paul Barber talking about when Potter left, um, and he called up Adam Lalana and Andrew Crofts. You know, kind of uh, ties in a, a couple here, but he, he called them up to talk about taking training the next day and just kind of speaking about it. And he couldn't get through to them because they were already at the ground preparing for training. And I, th I think that's just absolutely incredible. You know, it's to, to have that sort of dedication and be that willing to step up and help is just fantastic. You know, he, he is... Um, very rightly, I think, in this category. Yeah, he, he, he could be in others, but very rightly in this category. It sort of feels Cam. like he's a bit of a... Sorry, just quickly. It sort of feels like he's a bit like a surrogate stepfather to all of them out there, you know? And I made yeah. this joke to Joe recently, um, but I said, uh, not only is he a stepfather, he's the father that stepped up. So... Oh, I love that. He certainly yeah. did. Now, Cam, I was going to actually... Um, come to you about this point that Dan just made about uh, Adam Alana stepping in when Graham Potter left. That should tell you everything you need to know about the measure of Adam Lallana, someone who, without even needing to be asked, stepped up to fill the gap that was left. Um, does that, how much does that increase your respect for the man? Oh, greatly. Um, the fact that he was willing to do that, you know, he's, he's not even on the coaching team, he's a, play, he's a senior player, and that's what you want to see from your senior players, isn't it? Like, you just want to see them a little bit of leadership. And I, I always notice how when he's on the pitch, he's always talking to everyone, he's always talking to players around him, and he's always trying to encourage them, and when he's on the, the sideline as well, if he's not playing or if he's sub. So, yeah, he's, he's immensely invaluable to our team, definitely certainly is another player who exudes experience and confidence on the pitch toby is danny welbeck i believe it was the first loss of the season where we played against fulham and danny welbeck did not feature i remember on the podcast after the game saying how much we missed danny welbeck how important is danny welbeck similar to adam alana not just for his work on the pitch but his work off it as well um, unbelievable. And I have no doubt that part of Ferguson's success this season has come from the fact that Welbeck is alongside him, helping him through every step. Um, I see a lot of hate for Danny Welbeck on Twitter, the same as Lalana. just something about older players that people just tend to hate. And, and I think that's from a, a, a naive portion of our fans, perhaps maybe uh, younger themselves, that, that don't quite understand what Welbeck can offer to the team. He might miss chances, as all strikers do, but I guarantee you he'll get double the amount of chances another striker would just because of how good he positions himself, just because of how good he can move his body. Yeah, complete unsung hero. He belongs in this category because he's public enemy number one for a lot of people. But actually, he's the he's the one that goes out at night dresses, dressed as Spider-Man and saves the city. 
Oh, that's nice, David. And Chloe, he scored that phenomenal goal. I believe it was against Liverpool as well. Um, he has been um, fantastic this season. He's cropped up with some important goals. And again, another player that just uh, seems to look after the young lads. I know that him and Tarek Lamptey have a very uh, special relationship. It'll be sad to see that special relationship potentially go if Tarek does. But on Danny Welbeck, Chloe, what have you made of his season? Yeah, I mean, he had some phenomenal performances sort of around the start of the season. I remember against Manchester United at Old Trafford, you know, he could have been man of the match that day, even though he didn't score, you know, his work rate is just tremendous. And um, yeah, I think some of the goals he scored, so important. Um, I think he's just a really important part of the squad. Um, and yeah very much so let's move on to the next person in the category Joe and that is Joel Veltman Veltman a player who's been asked to fill in at all sorts of positions has been our right back of choice more often than not um, and again another player that we feel that when he's not there we miss his presence I just love him Tom I just absolutely adore Joel Veltman I think he's the, the model professional along with many others in the squad um, it always gives you know, at, at least a seven out of ten. Um, there's probably been maybe one or two occasions where you said, "Oh, Joel Veltman's had a stinker," but that's probably coincided with the whole team having a stinker. So, um, yeah, for, for for Veltman, he's he's definitely one of those that I think epitomises this category. That he, he will go a whole season, um, no one will talk about him, but at the end of the season, we'll be saying where's Joel Veltman's new contract? Um, because he just deserves to be in this squad. He deserves to be on this European um, triumph with us. Um, and hopefully he's a really important part of that next season as well. Dagan, do you echo that? Do you think that it's crucial that the club tie Joel Veltman down to a new contract as soon as possible? I do. I mean, I think he has a team option, so we can retain him for one more year, potentially, without extending the contract. Would certainly be nice to extend him. I mean, he's, I guess the term that I hear often is shithousery, right? He's the he's the guy that sort of gets into it with everybody. I've learned the, the new football term there. But he's the guy who always seems to get into it with the other team's best player um, and and can sort of set the tone early on by, you know, maybe giving a little bit of a an extra bit of bone crunch to a to a tackle. Um, and he's just he's just unafraid. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Uh, there's notes being made in the chat of uh, a swear. Um, does it count in, in the, the terminology? I don't think it counts. I think I'm. I think I'm safe. Uh, I do try to keep it clean for the kids, uh, folks. But yeah, um, no. I think Veltman he brings that edge, and McAllister was a guy who brought that edge. So I'd be leery of losing one of the other guys in the club, and I think Caicedo does too. Um, we, we need some enforcers, and I feel like he's he's a little bit of an enforcer. We can't afford, you know, to lose Dunk. So I think he plays that role, but is a little more restrained. Veltman doesn't have the same level of restraint. He knows he can pick up that red card and get subbed off, um, and it's not the end of the world. I think he plays his role really, really well. And Wilfred Zaha is still in his pocket, screaming <laughs> to get out. You can, if, 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 if you all dim, dim, dim your volume, you can hear him. Can you, can you hear that? There he is. The only, the only thing I have to say is Joel Veltman sends Zaha to the Saudi League, so... <laughs> <laughs> And finally, in the category, we have Andrew Croft. And Aaron, I'm going to come to you on this one as a person who has watched Andrew Croft for a number of years as a player. Um, he's transferring that into his coaching role. And very similar to Adam Alana, he really did step up from coaching the under-23s and then Potter left. 
and then he is being asked to step up and suddenly coach players that, for some of whom, aren't that much younger than uh, he is. But, you know, that's a huge role and responsibility to fill in, to jump from the under-23s to Premier League coaching setup. And he's done so, and he's been an integral part of Roberto De Zerbi's team. Yeah, I think it's pretty much similar to uh, Lalana, really. I think the fact we've got, we're lucky enough to have people in the club with that mindset of, I will do whatever it takes to help this club succeed, is what we need. And I think, you know, I, I've seen, like I've seen him play twice in a Brighton's well, two different occasions in a Brighton shirt. And he's always been a fantastic leader then when we had him as captain the first time around. And I think he's just proved proved it again this year how valuable he is um, not just for the under 21s I think we've had him under 21s the last couple of years and I think we, it's helped the youngsters come through into the first team and I think having him here is only only positive thing it certainly is so it is time to reveal who the winner of the Albies Unsung Hero Award the Unsung Hero Award. Here goes to. That was me opening the envelope. <laughs> and the winner of the Unsung Hero Award goes to. Adam Lalana. Very well deserved. Very well right, deserved. Well done, Adam. I'll, uh, I'll text you over a picture of your award later, mate. Uh, congratulations, <laughs> you were superb. Thank you very much for your efforts on and off the pitch. Long may it continue. Going from hero to villain. So, this season we have got a few villains and we have decided who they are. I before... wonder who we could have picked. <laughs> Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Yes, I know. Right, well, the... Nominees for the Albies Villain of the Season Award are <clears throat> VAR Potter Caicedo's Agent and Fabrizio Romano. So there are the nominees for the villain of the season. Joe, let's talk about VAR. I don't think I've ever seen you as angry as I did after the Spurs game. Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham Hotspur. Where are you now, you pricks? That's all. On to Toby. Toby wants to say more on VAR. But yeah, Tottenham Uh, the thing is, when you're talking about villains, and you're, you know, you, you, everyone you've mentioned, and, and 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 Potter is, you know, big villain. And I can talk about all of them as such a villain they are. Um, when it comes to VAR, it's the one we've most consistently spoken about because it's every single bloody week, and uh, you know, it, it just ruins football. It, it just ruins football. Uh, there's nothing good about it anymore. Everything I've believed in i thought i wanted var i thought i did but it's ruined football for me this year and it really there's a time in the season where i was like if, if we lose europe because of this shit i can't be asked with it and, and you know with, they'll teach dagan another word here you know he, he said shithousery don't forget that var ruled out that alexis McAllister thunder bastard that is just it's criminal it's criminal that he was denied that goal 
which would have been goal of the century, push gas, bet on it, bet your house on it. That's all I have to say. The fact that that, role, that goal, that beautiful goal has been ruled out, that's, that's enough of VAR for me. And the, uh, the goal against Palace as well, remember that one? Drawing the lines on the wrong... But that's Can not I just forget, say, VAR literally stands for villain-assisted referee. So that's at, the, at the time of that Palace one, I was like so perplexed that they'd drawn the line to the wrong man. I put a screenshot on Twitter and it got a lot of traction on the Albion Obsessed Twitter page. And a lot of people were saying, oh no, it's the angle, you can't see that it's actually drawn to the correct man, blah, 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 blah. So I, I was a little bit like, oh, well, okay, then fair enough if I can't see the angle. But then the PGMOL apology came out and they admitted that they'd drawn it to the wrong man. How the f*** did you if do that? If it's the angle, if it's the angle, Palace should be kicked out of the Premier League for not having better camera angles. <laughs> they should just be kicked out of the Premier League for, for everything else, Toby, to be honest. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the next villain. Oh, yeah, because I don't think many people are going to have much to say about this next person. And we'll go straight uh, to Aaron on this one. <laughs> so I'm the next person this. is uh, a man called Graham Potter and his coaching staff. Uh, he left the club, what, five games into the season? Um, we were currently in, we were sat in fourth position and he left us Chelsea. Aaron, say your words. Go on, mate. Uh, Let rip. To be fair, he sold his soul to the devil and it f***ed up. And I've enjoyed every minute of it and it's been absolutely incredible. The the seeing Chelsea fail brings such joy in my life. And the fact is that they're where they are now this season and to be fair they only really from honest they only stayed up because of Tuchel and that's a nuts thing to say because if Tuchel didn't pick up those points they would have been down there like, without a shadow of a doubt um, yeah Potter's just a to be honest <laughs> oh my word <laughs> let me get this in quickly <laughs> yeah. it's the only, only word I'll say because he is he had it all here and he f***ed it and he took everybody else with him, and now the only ones left there are Bruno and Ben Roberts, I believe. And I doubt they'll be there next when uh, Poch comes in, so they're now going to be out of the job. They'll probably end up working the championship, because probably about their level, and start from there. Viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> Welcome to Bleep Obsessed. <laughs> um... No lies were detected. Uh, Chloe, I'm going to bring up a, a tweet you posted recently um, saying that Chelsea is where good players' careers go to die. Um, I think that could be said for Graham Potter's career as well. Um, Graham Potter, Ben Roberts, uh, and as much as it pains me to say it, Bruno and the rest of the coaching staff, uh, they, they they had a stinker there, didn't they? It's just funny. Um, but the thing is, I could see it coming. Anyone with half a brain could see that, you know, Chelsea weren't going to give him time. He wasn't going to do well there. It was just a poor match. So the fact that he went, um, just for me, says it's about money, all about money. And um, I do think the worst of the lot is Bruno, because he was a legend for us. Um, some people still say he is, but to be honest, I, I can't forgive him for leaving the way he did. And, you know, if the Queen hadn't died and those games hadn't been postponed, we would have been in such a bad situation. 
you know, having to play with our under-23s coach. And, yeah, it's just... I think that covered a lot of how bad it really was. Um, and, yeah, I'll, I'll never forgive them for it. Um, I can hold a grudge like you will not believe. Um, and I think it's completely hilarious how it just all went tits up for them. And, um, yeah, I hope... I hope it just continues to, to be honest. It's very funny. I think I speak for everyone when I say, rest in peace, Your Majesty. <laughs> yes. Um, um, not in regards to Her Majesty, but in general, I, I quote now one of my favourite gifts, gifts from It Ain't Half Hot Mum. Oh dear, how sad. Oh well. Next up, we have Dagon Moises Caicedo's agent, who... Um, well, played, well, tried to play Tony Bloom. I mean, what an idiot there. Um, enforcing a move out of the club uh, to Arsenal. He sent him a, a message to post on his social media. Um, Caicedo accidentally forgot to delete a keyword in there, which showed that he didn't write it. Uh, so a bit of a villain trying to force a move in January so late in the window. It's... It was almost too dumb to really view them as villains. Like the sort of sort of, you know, hapless Scooby-Doo level villain maybe, but not real villain, right? Like it was a joke. I mean, the whole thing was so amateur hour. And you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because they are still his agents, but I think it's just Caicedo and Hincapi are the only two sort of notable players that are managed by that agency. I think they're inexperienced. I think they had no idea what they were doing. I thought they saw a lucrative payday. They pushed their chips all into the table against the wrong poker player um, and ended up just, you know, looking a fool. That Will it hurt them in the long run? Probably not, because they'll probably still get a big payday whenever we do move Kaiseido along. I hope it's not this year. Um, but, yeah, they're really laughable. It's hard to take them overly seriously as a villain. Perhaps they, they win the category, but I, I definitely just chuckled more. Maybe it's because it worked out. And, and Caicedo, to his credit, and I think there was a lot of debate about this, whether he would, you know, mope or whether he would, you know, continue to be the player that he had been. And he, to his credit, 100% was the player he had been. And I think even then some. I think he showed he had something to prove about the kind of person he was and, and really showed his loyalty to the club in going, you know, all out the rest of the way, accepting a move to right back um, and playing it ably and well. I know we're not talking about Caicedo here and we'll talk more about him later, but uh, I think... He maybe saved his agents from being the villain through how he handled the rest of the year. Rot roll, Moises. <laughs> <laughs> Zoinks! Zoinks! Jinkies. Uh, Cam, I would like to get your opinion, if I may, on one Fabrizio from Romano. Many hold uh, Fab in high esteem when it comes to uh, Twitter scoops, um, and he did not endear himself to the Brighton faithful on social media. Um, when it came to the sale of Mark Kukurea. Um, according to him, it was nailed on that he was going to go to Manchester City and then it was, let's go, and then it never happened. And then he got embroiled in a bit of a Twitter spat between him and the club and Andy Naylor. And it was all just a bit messy. Um, but yes, uh, did not have a very good summer last year with Brighton Twitter. No, and I find it quite funny in the way that he still doesn't, um, put the Brighton hashtag in any tweets about us anymore. It's always the other club because of all of that. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. It was quite 
quite annoying for all of us to see that daily and you know it being so wrong in the end and yeah <laughs> I don't think he's ever going to have as good a relationship with Brian fans and it, even the club to be honest I know he probably wouldn't have done anyway but any any opportunity to have a decent relationship with the club is I think kind of gone you know the club putting out that statement going nothing is agreed yet like says it all they don't really do that so yeah very popular with Albion fans I don't think he will be for quite a while and who can blame them right then it is time to reveal who the villain of the season has been the coveted Albi that everyone wants put it out the mystery machine <laughs> this this trophy has a middle finger at the top of it not a seagull do, 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 no, it's do, a bird do, flipping do, it off like I am shocked. Really shocked. The coveted villain of the season award goes to. Surely not Tom. Graham Potter. Can I just say, so well deserved. He is, without a doubt, the, the best category so far. And, and you know what? He would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for us damn kids. Graham Potter, <laughs> get over here. <laughs> right then, let's uh, let's move on to a another category called the Albies Performance of the Season Award. Now, this was a tough one to narrow it down. Uh, because there has been some truly fantastic um, performances this season. The nominees are Leandro Trossard against Liverpool away. Alexis McAllister against Leicester at home. Purvis Estupinian versus Arsenal away. And finally, Billy Gilmore. Happy birthday, by the way. Billy Gilmore versus Wolves at home. So let's talk first, Dan, about Leandro Trossard against Liverpool. The first away player, I believe, to score a hat-trick since Andre Ashavin in like 2000 and something. Mm. So a pretty spectacular thing to do. So yeah, Trossard, um, away to Liverpool. Um, Our first Premier League hat-trick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Our first ever game under De Zerbi. What What a game it was as well. Um, and I think he scored in, in the fourth minute or something. So we kind of, he, he got going really, really quickly, which is something that we, if memory serves me right, we really struggled to do under Potter. Um, but I mean, we're not here to talk about Deserby, we're here to talk about Trossard. Um, but he he had such a brilliant game. I mean, he played fantastically. He, he, you know, he spent some of the time out on the left, some of the time through the middle. And no matter where he was, he was just running the show. I mean, he made um, Alexander Arnold look like an amateur, right? He, Alexander Arnold could not keep up, no matter what he tried. He could not. He couldn't get close to him. Um, Trossard was just, just untouchable at that point. You know, the ball was sticking to his feet. It was really, really, really good. The first time I think I'd seen a player completely run the show in in a long, long time. Very good point. Well made. Thank you, Dan. Um, Toby, you've mentioned already um, a goal from this very game. Alexis McAllister versus Leicester. We were denied perhaps what would have been the goal of the season uh, thanks to a decision um, for Enoch Mwepu's toe being offside. But it should not detract from the fact that Alexis McAllister had a phenomenal game that day. 
Yeah, yeah, um, and, and uh, I'm not sure if memory serves me correctly, but I don't think we started that game well, funnily enough, and I think that was during the Potter era, so it was actually, as Dan said, um, and yeah, he just sort of picked the team up by the scruff of their neck. It's almost like he got the Scooby Snacks out at half-time, and they were all running like dogs after that, and, and it's particularly McAllister himself. He just, it was almost like he just... He just had, like, the Midas touch that day. It was sort of just like everything he touches turns to gold. And it was incredible to see. And, and to, yeah, I mean, rightfully alongside that Trossard performance because you're thinking, how, how can you pick a winner out of those two so far? And, and I know there's two more brilliant ones to come, so I'll, I'll let us move on. <laughs> yeah, Chloe, um, you have put in many miles to away games this season. Um, one of the perhaps, I thought, unsung performances of an away game was Purvis Estupinian's uh, game against Arsenal. Uh, he did score that day. Um, however, I think that it wasn't just the fact that he scored. It was his overall play. He got a goal, he got an assist, and he, if you, watch, if you look at his heat map from after that game, it was just, it was just all over the place. Um, we've spoken about how good Purvis has been generally, but how good, in your opinion, was he in that game? Well, um, someone said earlier he sort of put in 8 out of 10s consistently. That was an 11 out of 10, that performance. Um, he just absolutely ran the show and, as you said, scored a really good goal as well. And um, should have been his second of the season, but let's not talk about that right now. Um, and I just think he was he's so consistently good and then that game was just another level. Um and I just can't believe how good he is, to be honest. He absolutely run the show that day. And, um, yeah, that was just a terrific game all round. The whole team was good, but he stood out even among them. Let's talk about running the show, Curtis. Our next nominee is Billy Gilmore, a player who has not featured particularly heavily this season. Um, news has broken recently about some of the things he's had to deal with this season. Um, but the performance against Wolves, um, considering he hadn't played all that much football, um, was absolutely phenomenal. His range of passing, his vision, his tenacity to win the ball back. Um, after the game, Roberto De Zerbi said he was easily the best player on the pitch. And it was clear to see that a mile away. We talk about impacting a game, massive impact from the young Scott there. You know, that performance reminded me of a very particular Scooby-Doo episode, actually. Uh, it was season one, episode six. No, 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 seriously, seriously. Uh, no, he's just been, he's been fantastic when he's had to step up. I'm really, really happy for him. Um, he's had to be patient, like a lot of the other players. And I'm so happy that he's been able to just get on there and really go for it. And he's been so impressive. And we're going to see a lot more of him in this uh, this next season, especially what with the, the amount of football that's going to be played. So I feel like a lot of these sort of uh, bench players are going to get their chances to shine. But um, yeah, he's just been so impressive to me. So I'm really happy for him. I mean, that day he made a pack of wolves look like a pack of a certain cartoon dog. Scooby-Doo, buddy. The Scooby-Doo references are Don't be so childish, point. But I now have to turn to my golden envelope where we can exclusively reveal the Albi performance of the season. That is the envelope opening. And the winner for the coveted Albi's performance Ooh. season goes to... 
happy birthday. It's Billy Gilmore against Wolverhampton Wanderers. What a phenomenal the performance. best birthday of his life. I know. Uh, we'll be <laughs> sending a present. birthday present to you in the post, my boy. Um, so congratulations, Mr. Gilmore. Fantastic. Right then, let's move on to the young player of the season. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but Brighton have, have put in a habit recently of playing quite a few young players. And those young players seem to like scoring a rather a lot. So let's talk about the nominees. Our first nominee of the evening is Evan Ferguson. Next up, we have Julio Enciso. Then Levi Colwell. And finally, Moises Caicedo. Aaron, talk to me about Evan Ferguson. Because Aaron, you may call me crazy. You may call me mad. But he reminds me of a certain striker we had at the turn of the millennium who was lanky, who was long, um, but had an eye for the goal. What have you made of Evan Ferguson's season? I mean, that by itself is quite a comparison. Um, I, I wouldn't say he's like, difficult. I think he's had, he's had a fantastic season. I think he's been the missing link to what we've been looking for for a while. Uh, ever since we lost Murray, we sort of needed a bit of a target man, really, and we haven't really used it. He, well, but he does what he's got to do, but you know, he's can't last nine minutes nowadays, or well, very rarely. And I think Ferguson stepped up brilliantly. Well, I think ever since the, that first goal against Arsenal, he came on and, and bullied Saliba with absolute ease, and then he's come on leaps and bounds since then. And yeah, I think he'll go far. He's the Irish Highland for me. I think. Mean, Ooh, a big comparison there. Joe, Julio and Ciso, we've spoken about the young man quite a lot this evening, but just summarise your overall impression of the young man for me. Um, I think he's got that sort of, and I don't want to say arrogance in a negative term, but he's got that arrogance to go right to the very top and be one of the very best footballers on the planet if he keeps his feet on the ground, if he keeps working hard. Because the trajectory this season alone has been nothing short of spectacular. Um, and if he goes on next season to, to have um, a, a consistent season where he's hitting the numbers that he was towards the end of the season, I've said season a lot. I, I, I have just clocked that in my head and now I've gone completely off what I'm saying. But if Inciso um, is, you know, that consistent, then, you know, my god what a player we've got on our hands and again a player that we picked up for in the grand scheme of things pennies and could sell on for an astronomical amount very very good uh cam levi colwell levi colwell played last season in the championship um and as we've we've already spoken about him he's obviously come here on loan um but i think he's already impressed enough for fans at least to be begging for his return um, just really quickly Cam your impression on Levi Colwell's season he, he's, he's been excellent he's so key to the way we play He at first I wasn't like you said earlier in the show I wasn't too impressed with him to start with I thought he was probably a little bit too casual sometimes um, but he's honestly come on leaps and bounds and yeah we really need to do what we can to get him on the permanent this summer um, yeah, as Aaron said as well, just pay pay Chelsea the money they want and um, just get it done. 
This is a super serious award show, Toby. Super serious. Cam's out there making great points, and you're like, here's me on the Scooby Doo. This, this, it's, it's alright, I'll allow it, it's funny. Because <laughs> we, we've all had a bit too much to drink, you know, even, oh even, Aaron's, even Aaron's had to call it a night there. <laughs> this is out being obsessed, guys. If you're not subscribed yet, go down and hit that subscribe button because this is the high quality content that we provide for you. We so, bring you the do you want to do that in a bit more stereotypical YouTube thing? Like, smash the like button, guys, click that I bell. I can't do that. You know, that Elbow thing? drop the notification. <laughs> <laughs> this is Albion Obsessed watching the Albies. <laughs> Thanks, I hated that. <laughs> Dagon, Moises Kaiseda, you've already spoken about him and well, we've gushed about this young man's talent. Um, he's had a phenomenal season. It's worth just remembering that he was on loan last season in Belgium um, and he came back and he wasn't used and then he burst onto the scene with about six, seven games to go and he has been one of the most important players in our squad. We noticed um, his absence when we played against Arsenal um, and it really showed how important he is to the way we play. He has been phenomenal all season. Um, just really briefly, Dagan, your overall uh, summary of Caicedo's season. He is a destroyer. Teams actively played away from him to avoid him on the pitch. It was apparent very early on in the season after the first couple of games that teams just wanted no part of him. And if they tried to play through the middle, he was going to take the ball and we were going to go their way with it. I mean, he, he just, the more and more I watched of other clubs, the more convinced I was of the level of dominance that he was bringing was really, really rare um, and that we had a gem. And it was interesting, you know, I wasn't here when we lost Basuma, but it seemed that people felt Basuma was going to be really, really hard to replace. And I think, you know, again, we had the replacement in hand. Um, I think that's where the trepidation is here. And maybe we should all just trust the process and trust Tony Bloom, that if he moves him, there's someone there. Uh, but he he does seem sort of a singular talent uh, that really may take some time to replace when and if he does move on. Um, he, I think we're going to see him continue to do great things. I don't think he's a guy who's going to move on and sort of, you know, wither into the the nothingness of, well, he was, he was good at Brighton, but he's, you know, outside of that system, he's not stellar. I think he's going to continue to win honors and, and do really well, whether he's here or elsewhere. Love As that. the chant goes, he came from Ecuador to win the Ballon d'Or, and he's a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Now, I can reveal that the winner of this won by a single vote. It was incredibly tight. But now it is time to reveal the Albion Obsessed's Albi for Young Player of the Season. I can exclusively reveal the Albion Obsessed Young Player of the Season Award goes to Evan Ferguson by a single vote. It was very tight between Evan Ferguson and Moises Caicedo. I think that goes to show you how well, um, how highly the Albion Obsessed team uh, view those two now, players. Aaron, Aaron referenced Evan Ferguson as the Irish Haaland. I would mm -hmm. say Haaland is the Norwegian Ferguson. 
<laughs> I, think, I think it's really Spot worth on. noting as well is that whoever wins these awards everyone that's nominated deserves it and even people that haven't been nominated have probably deserve some of these rewards <laughs> so it's worth true. noting we have two awards left it is the next that we have the coveted Albi for goal of the season and there has been some absolute crackers this season and um, we have had to narrow it down however so um, let us begin our nominees are Pascal Gross's second goal against Wolves Dennis Undav's delightful chip against Arsenal Julio Enciso's absolute thunder bastard against Manchester City and Matoma's silky skill against Liverpool in the FA Cup. Those are our nominations. Joe, Pascal Gross. He scored twice against Wolves. Both were phenomenal goals and he has had a phenomenal season. What have you made of the Germans' goal contribution and what did you make of that goal? I think Cam's reaction says enough to when you said the word Pascal Gross. I think she pretty much swooned and that is that is Brighton fans everywhere. You say that name and he, you know, he he defines the word legend, in my opinion. And and we, we've had the conversation of what defines a legend. Um, and in our Premier League era, which we hope continues for a long time yet, Pascal Gross has been that icon that we look at when we say Brighton Hove Albion in the Premier League. Um, and... The man is my hero, everyone else's hero. He needs to stay at this club forever because I cannot deal even with the thought of Pascal Gross leaving this football club. Um, so, yeah, a, a worthy nominee um, in this category. Yeah, and that second goal was bloody good. It was blooming delightful. I mean, a lot of the goals that day, I mean, even, you know, we talk about Undav's goals, both of Pascal's Gross could have been in here, um, but I had to choose the one and I chose the second was the one on the volley it was it was lovely um next up dan talk to me about dennis undav he scored a chip against oh. wolves and like all good seagulls he wasn't satisfied with the single chip he needed another and he scored a delightful <laughs> yeah that, that, that's good that's good <laughs> yeah let's take a minute to applaud that let's take a minute before i talk about the goal let's all give that a clap honestly thank you yeah well done um, uh, the goal against um, Arsenal, which uh, Aaron Ramsdale did his best Superman impression um, with um, <laughs> a hell of a goal. A hell of a goal, Dan. Oh, I mean, it was just fantastic. I mean, it, at that point, I really felt, yeah, we got this. We're going to win this. You know, Arsenal were pushing so hard. They were, you know, they were on the title chase at the point. Um, we all know how it ended up. Sorry about that. Um, but they were they were playing the best football they could at the time and we still just cut through them and Dennis's goal one of my favourite goals you know um, of, of the season um, hence the nomination right um, it was a really really nice lob over the keeper over 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 Ramsdale um, he didn't have long to decide about what he was going to do about how he was going to play if he was going to try and go around Ramsdale if he was going to kick it over him try and go underneath him and he just made the right choice and it was absolutely fantastic and the feeling was just pure euphoria at the time because i thought you know we got this we got this we can make we can make europe right 
this is this is kind of what's on the, this is what's on the line. Um, we're beating one of the best teams in the world, and it's just fantastic. It was just just amazing, and the assist from Gross as well needs a shout out. You know, intercepting that pass from Trossard, but it, it was just the whole thing was just magical. Intercepting, thanks, Trossard. <laughs> um, Cam, we've taught Dagan a new word today, and that was thunderbastard. I don't think there's any other word we could use to describe it. And CISO's absolute screamer against Manchester City. Where do you rank that in Brighton goals? That um, is the best one I've ever seen live. Like, I was in the North Stand and just seeing that arrow into the top corner. Amazing. I Just unbelievable finish. I thought his goal at Chelsea was fantastic, but that just eclipsed it. Like, to have the audacity to just... You know, he was given so much time and space by City, he just thought, hey, why not? I'm going to hit this. And it just flew into that top corner. And, yeah, fantastic goal. And just one that will live on forever, I think, in the memories of um, Albion fans and Julio and Sisto. Very much so. Scoring against Manchester City isn't for everyone. Sorry, Inter. Um, Chloe, the last one on our nomination list is uh, Mitoma against Liverpool in the FA Cup. This is the goal that was scored relatively late on. Uh, Mitoma chipped it over Joe Gomez, made him look a bit silly, and then tucked it away with a plum. What did you make of the goal? Yeah, you just thought this guy's a bit special. The skill he showed to um, control it and... It was just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know, he's such a, a good player and that goal was just phenomenal. Um, and yeah, it obviously meant that we won that game and beat Liverpool again. Um, so yeah, it was just phenomenal. And he's such a good player, scored some great goals this season, but that one, the control of it was just unbelievable. Yeah, it really was. And. As I say, we've had to narrow down the categories because we've seen some absolutely fantastic goals this season. Danny Welbeck, as I said before, scored a really good goal against Liverpool that was very similar. You know what hasn't been mentioned, and I know, it, um, but it was um, Veltman's chested goal. I'm a big fan of that one. Oof. Big fan of that. Oh. It's not Shout just out McAllister's penalty against United as well. Yeah, exactly. Can't I mean, that. McAllister's free kick against against Leicester. Phenomenal, Solly March. Um, I think it was the, went against Liverpool in the cut um, in the, in the league as well. Phenomenal goal. Julio and Ciso away at Chelsea. Yeah, Julio and Ciso. We could go league. on. Oh. Yeah, but yeah, by the way, McAllister thinks yeah. for the memory. How long we Yeah. <laughs> so there has been some truly phenomenal goals this season, but we had to narrow it down to those four, and I can exclusively reveal who the Albion obsessed team voted for. Their Albies goal of the season. And the winner is <gasps> it's Julio Enciso against Manchester City. Listen, listen, I'm in my Kanye era here. Julio, that goal was great, but I actually truly believe that Alexis McAllister versus Leicester, the volley, deserved this win. <laughs> I'm just saying that right now. And I'm young, wild and free. You know, I'm at this award ceremony. But uh... his tie on his head, everyone. That's how, like, that's how young and free he is. <laughs> Julio got right second then. place. He's finer than that. That's a sign of protest, yeah. I think. That's a sign was of protest. It, was there any, was it any shock? Was it any shock that 
in Ciso won this award, considering he, he won the Premier League goal of the season. Premier League. Yeah, he didn't get a clean sweep, though. I will say, is he did not get a clean sweep. So all I can say about that Ciso goal is, I'm not a religious man, but I think I, I felt like I found God at that very moment. It was just beautiful. Beautiful. He was he was on the touchline, and his name is Roberto De Zerbi. Moving on. Right, it is time for our final award of the evening. The one that they all want. The most coveted award of the Albi collection. And for the first annual Albies, we have the following four nominations for our Player of the Season award. First up, we have Moises Caicedo. Next, Pascal Gross. Next, Lewis Carl Dunk. And finally, Purvis Estupinian. So, Curtis, Moises Caicedo. Dagan has already glowed about him. He's given him a glowing recommendation from this year. Um, many would say he's our most important player. Where do you stand on Moises and what a season has he had for you? I mean, Moises uh, hardly ever disappoints me, um, to be honest. I, I think the control he has out there, the, the way he's able to bully people off the ball, and um, he's just so impressive. He's so impressive. When he's on form, he's just unplayable sometimes, and um, it'll be very sad to potentially see him leave this season. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's an argument to say that he is probably one of my one of our most important players that we have, uh, and he will be hard to replace. Absolutely. Chloe, I'm, I'm going to keep this on Moises as it is the Player of the Season award. When Basuma left, um, the Brighton faithful were very concerned because Basuma was our midfield general. Um, has Caicedo eclipsed Basuma? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's just such an important part of our midfield. Um, I forget how young he is. You know, when you said he was nominated for young player, I was like, oh, yeah, he's only like a child, really. Um, it just amazes me how sort of good he is, how um, he's quite mature when he's on the pitch as well. Um, and I really, really hope that we can keep him this season, uh, the next season. But um who knows what will happen and I'm sure wherever he ends up um, he will do well um, and yeah he's just he's just a joy to watch Fantastic I will just um, insert here that uh, when I wanted to watch uh, the FA Cup game with my dad um, I just I, I remember turning to my dad and saying how is it how have Brighton got a midfielder this good um, I was mesmerised watching him um, Cam Pascal Gross, he has come under a bit of a renaissance in the last 18 months. Um, found himself benched quite often towards the end of Potter's reign, reign, reign of terror. Um, but this season he has just been phenomenal. He's filled in, in almost every single position you can think of, bar goalkeeper. What have you made of Pascal's season? He's just ever since he's come to this club, ever since he's been in the Premier League, he's he's been, I'd say probably with Duncan Talisman really. You know, he's as you say, he's been so versatile this season, and he's done a fantastic job wherever he's played. You know, we all know he's not blessed with pace, but he's actually done very well at fullback against some very pacey wingers. 
Um, and yeah, his goal contributions as well. I think this is probably his best goal scoring season. Quote me if I'm wrong, all good. Um, but yeah, he's hugely important to his football club and you can tell how much this football club means to him. When we made Europe, he was very proud of that and it was lovely to see. So yeah, thank goodness we've gone tied down to another couple of years. And like Joe, I never want Pascal Gross to leave, never. No, and I don't blame you, Dan. Uh, Pascal Gross, believe it or not, once made his way into a certain worst 11, um, the culprit of worst 11, he, he shall not be named uh, for legal reasons. Um, Dan. Who, who did that? Who, who was that? Name and shame. Name and shame. It was me. Uh, I, okay, but because this is, comes into my point now. I once voted for Pascal Gross in the worst Brighton 11 as a right back because it was mm. when Graham Potter was going through his experimental phase of playing uh, Pascal at right wing back and it, it was not great. Um, but this season, Pascal Gross, as Cam rightfully says, has had to fill in at fullback and he has done so excellently. Um, he's done that at left back and at right back, and he's come across some pretty pacey wingers, and he's dealt with them very well. Incredibly well, unbelievably well. I mean, I, I thought of something which is sort of when I said I wanted to speak about Gross, um, I just thought about this. So he may have, he, he might as well have read the Kama Sutra because he can fill in any position. Haha, <laughs> cue laughter. Um, I can, I, I, I can add that in afterwards. It's fine. Um, but. Yeah, I mean he's he he he's he's been. <laughs> I can see everyone laughing on me. It's fine. I'll um. He can happily yeah, plug can... my holes. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> he, he he can happily plug my holes any day. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I mean, let, let's say it's the old-fashioned. So sorry. Or the new fashion, Toby. Uh, uh, but anyway, he. Can... Uh, anyway. Uh... This has descended uh, into chaos. Please, blink Jacob. There's, uh, there's vodka in that glass. I know you just it's to get you through. <laughs> I understand. Dagan's like, what am I signed up for? These blooming Brits. Dagan's going to announce his departure after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so but, there you have it. Um, now, yeah, it's sorry, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll start properly. I'll start properly. But yeah, I mean, he's been uh, a near enough permanent feature in our team, barring the late Potter years. He's been a near enough permanent feature in our team since the year we got promoted. I mean, it goes to show how incredible he is and how adaptable he is. You know, he's, he's, he's played, as Cam said, in almost every position across the field. And as you said, Tom, as well, um, he's played left back, right back, uh, holding, he's played the number 10 role, He and he's just excelled in every single position. I can't think of a bad game he's had, really. You know, he, he he's had a few games where the whole team has, have had a stinker, but he's just been fantastic throughout. You know, he even to the point of having a better uh, tackle completion rate than Casado. You know, he, he, he 59 tackles this year with a 59% success. It's not a huge number, sure. But it's better than Casado's rate of 50%. You know, he, he's instrumental in almost all of our goals. He he has almost the most touches, almost the most passes. It's. I don't think we need to look much further for anyone better than Pascal Gross at this point in our development. You know, he, he's he's just incredible, no matter where he plays. And I'll stop Club rambling. Legend. Club legend, no doubt. Next up, we have a certain Lewis Carl Dunk, our club captain, a man who Toby 
once said he could envision going to Burnley. Burnley. I think so, I'm being misquoted here. <laughs> I think you remember Toby saying, yeah, Lewis Dunk's going to Burnley. I remember that. Uh, do you know what? I think that was actually more like a... At the end of his career, it might, you know, it'd be an irrelevant transfer. He is a one-club man at heart, and uh, and even if he went to Burnley, if he played against Brighton, he'd score five own goals. So, <laughs> but he's not going to Burnley because he is with Brighton, and I almost feel like this is an unfair category for him to be a part of because if it were down to a lot of Brighton fans, their internal bias would have him winning this every year, and I don't think he'll win this award because I. You know, I don't want to give away who I voted for, but I, I feel like it would be unfair to just keep giving him the award because he keeps deserving it. So I think we need to have a Lewis Cole Dunk of the Year award and just give it to him every year because he's always the same guy. He's always going to be Mr. Reliable, Mr. One Club Man, Mr. Passion. No one in world football goes out there loving the club the way he does love Brighton and the way... He has proven it time and time and time and time and time again. And I could keep going with the end times, but I'm going to stop there. Just an unbelievable uh, guy to have around. It looks like you watch Buzz's boot room quiz. It looks like he gets along with everyone, has a laugh with everyone. He looks like a, a glue in that squad. It will never change. No manager, no club bidding for him. Nothing will ever change that about the way he is as a man. He loves Brighton, and we rightfully love him back, and, and he deserves all the praise. And and for me, he gets my Lewis Cole Dunk of the Year award. Sensational. Dagan, what have you made of the captain's performances this season? Well, right, I'm new here, um, but everything Toby just said rang true singularly this year. So I bring no historic bias to the Lewis Dunk experience of the Lewis Dunk conversation. But when I think about the transition can just, we made... Can I just chip in there? The Lewis Dunk Experience is a fantastic name for a band. <laughs> Indeed it is. Um, I think Dunk's transformation under Deserby, I think, mirrored and, and typifies the experience of the entire club, right? Him sort of putting his foot on the ball and sort of the change in our system to bringing, right, inviting that pressure and sort of his comfort handling it. As a guy who, when you see him, looks, you know, he's big, physical, enforcer. You don't expect the talent with his feet and the talent passing that he possesses. Um, and I think we we saw that as Brighton fans, and one of the big reasons we were saying, like, this guy should be playing for England because of his versatility. And I think, you know, again, I didn't see him before, but I can only imagine we saw the very, very best of him this year and so much of what we do, right? We're constantly talking about left back, right? And for all the accolades of Colwell, he wasn't close, close to as solid as Lewis Dunk um, at any point. Uh, yeah, Dunk, I mean, I can, I can think of, you know, a couple of miscues over the course of the year that, you know, where he maybe could have been a bit better um, that cost us a goal. But overwhelmingly, our goals did not rest at his feet and the number he saved far outweighed the number that was a result of a mistake he made. Um, so, I mean, just an invaluable player. You could you could almost put him in the unsung hero category because um, I think he, he gets counted. Maybe, Toby, your point is right. Because he's sort of every year's player of the season, he gets discounted in a player of the season conversation. Um, but he's certainly worthy of one. And I think, you know, our performance this year begins and ends with the leadership and the play of Lewis Dunn. 
very well put, Dagan. Really nicely put. And uh, finally, we have the final man on the nominees list, Curtis, a man we've spoken about quite a lot tonight, but let's talk about him one more time. And that is Purvis Estupinian, a man who came in uh, to replace our player of the season. Um, and I know we've already said it, but what a season Purvis has had. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> just again, uh, to sort of reiterate what I said earlier, he just has really surprised me. I mean, because I had no idea. Cause I, I don't tend to watch uh, footage on our new players before because obviously they tend to play a lot different under new managers and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, he he just. I mean, yeah, he had a bit of a shaky start as most players tend to, but he really came into his own pretty pretty quickly, and he's quite rapidly become one of my one of my favourite players in that team. And you know, what can I say? I'm I'm a pervert now. I'm a big fan of him. Big fan of him. <laughs> <laughs> this show has been absolutely phenomenal and I've loved every second of it thank you I'm here all week here all week Joseph come back because it's your turn now and Joseph we have talked about a lot of players this evening um, and it has been a very hard category to decide the players because let's face it they could all be up there because this is a team that are more than the sum of their parts um, and it's been really hard to pick single player out that deserves this but I think the four that we've come back in uh, the, the four that we've chosen deserve to be there what what do you make of the four players that the Albion Obsessed team have chosen for their player of this season I mean they could have been 10 they could have been 11 you know I could go on um, this has been the season of our lifetimes um, we've got very very emotional um, towards the end of the season and I think it's a credit to the whole squad um, of, you know, how how they've, you know, so, so solidified a place in our heart forever. This was the team that was going to get us to Europe uh, for the first time. And um, it's it's just unbelievably special. The, the four players that are there, yes, all four of them deserve to be there. And Curtis, <laughs> Curtis is a pearl. I can't do it. <laughs> My dad watches this, by the way. So I can't do it. Shall I just go on to reveal who Piper is? <laughs> I can now exclusively reveal that the Albi to Player of the Season, the first annual, by the way, goes to. Number 13, Pascal Gross. <laughs> there you have it. Pascal Gross wins the Albion Obsessed Albi for Player of the Season. And what a richly deserved award it is. I hear that he will be collecting it in person um, from Joe's house that he's just moved into in Hastings. Um, he's going to bring the entourage with him. He's going to get Joe to sign it and everything. So, um, exciting times thank you very much everyone for joining me this evening and thank you very much for sending me your nominations and your votes um i think we can all agree that the first annual albies has been a colossal success and no matter how much thunder and lightning there was how much private chat banter there was we <laughs> 
it's literally like Morse code. Um, but we got through it in the end. So I would like to thank Joe, Dan, Curtis, Toby, Dagan, uh, Cam, Chloe, and Aaron for their time this evening. Thank you, viewers and listeners, for making it to the end of what has been a somewhat chaotic award show. But it's an award show. Would you expect anything less? Just be proud that no one's got up and slapped anyone yet. So, you know. Oh, I would if I could. I would if I could. (laughs) Wherever you may be, whenever you may be, have a fantastic time. See you next time.